This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose. So, are we starting with um, Elon Musk again, as usual? We, I was not going to mention Elon Musk this week. Oh, okay. You oh, see, I'm we've, we've got it in there twice now. Yes, sorry about that. Yes, And I will try to much. avoid any words that include the letter Excellent. X. Excellent. <laughs> right. Okay. So, where we're are gonna we going to start? We're going to start by talking about video games, by which I mean things like you know, Call of Duty and Fortnite and uh, all of those uh, online and, indeed, um, yes. single-player games. Now, I know you're not big into video games yourself, but, of course, you are aware that the video game market is bigger than the movie market. I am aware, yes. Yeah. And when you play a game such as Call of Duty or Tomb Raider or, or one of those, when you're playing the single-player missions, then there are two kinds of character in the game that you interact with. Mm. There are people who are involved in the plot, who you talk to, but this is uh, pre-recorded dialogue, usually in the form of cutscenes. Yes. So you can, you can advance the plot. And then there are NPCs, which is non-playable characters. I know about that. There was a, there was a film them. about them a couple of years ago. A very good film. I'm trying to think what on earth it was called. I'll, I'll have a think while you're talking. You have a think. You have a think. And so, I mean, a lot of games, uh, for example, the most recent uh, Tomb Raider game, uh, you start off walking through a remarkably crowded uh, city with mm. um, uh, the Mexican Day of the Dead festival going on. And you can bump into people and you can, if there's a little eye over their head, you can go and interact with them and mm. they have a bit of recorded speech. But it's all a bit dull and mm. it's just there to give atmosphere. It doesn't give that much atmosphere. Most of these games are built using the Unreal Engine, which was an engine that was developed for the game Unreal Tournament quite a few years ago. And they have just produced a demo using AI-driven characters. So the demo is set in New York, and you can wander around the streets of New York, and you can talk to anyone. And when I say talk, I don't mean type. I mean you literally talk through your microphone. Oh. And then they will talk back to you. And... Being New York, they tend to be a rather <laughs> suspicious bunch of people. So you can go to someone and say, hi, hi, what's your name? I said, what do you want to know? Who, who was asking? Why do you want to mm. know that? And you say, well, okay, I'm sorry, just, I'm new in town. That's being friendly. So, oh, sorry, I had a bad day. You can say, I'm English, um, and they'll say, do you know Benny Hill? That's the usual <laughs> response in New York. But you can literally talk to anyone that you meet on the street. I, I'd probably enjoy doing that without playing the game itself. Uh, but it makes it so much more immersive of course because rather than you know having a map showing you where the subway station is which is you know a little bit um bizarre you can go up to someone and say where's the subway station let's say take the second right down there you know you can yeah. you can ask people for directions ask them for information and they remember what you've been speaking about and then they can continue on conversations with them it will absolutely revolutionize gaming 
even less reason for it... gamers to actually partake in real life. Well, have you met many gamers? That's probably a good thing. <laughs> okay. Um, I can actually now to remind, tell you about the film, because it was quite good. Free Guy, it was called, with huh. um, uh, Ryan Reynolds and uh, Jodie Comer. And it came out, and it was about a character in a computer game, an NPC, who suddenly realised how limited his life was. Huh. I've never seen it. It's you no. probably got to enjoy it. It was rather what good. What was it called again? Free Guy. I will look out for it. It was a really clever idea yeah. and rather well done. To... Yes. So that's how I know what NPCs are. I wouldn't have Excellent. known otherwise. No, no, no. All, all through the movie. <laughs> all your knowledge comes through the movies, really, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I'm so bad at real life. So yes. where do we go now? Well, we're now going on to deaf concert goers. I mean, oh. you might question why deaf people would choose to go to concerts in the first place, but apparently deaf people do go to a concerts. Mm-hmm. And in order to hear the music, they either have to put their hands onto uh, speakers, mm. feel the vibrations, or they can just hold a balloon. And balloons are apparently very good at turning sound waves into more tactile vibrations. I went to a concert with Evelyn Glennie. It was a jokey concert yeah. for April the 1st, and she was playing. She actually played lots of kitchen implements, but she was barefoot. She said she could feel uh, the sound yes. through her feet. Through her feet, yes. Yeah. Excellent. Well, there is an outfit in town called Music Not Impossible who mm-hmm. have developed haptic suits for deaf people to go to concerts. And you strap this suit on and you can feel the violins reverberating in your Ooh. ribcage. You wow. feel the cello and bass reverberating rather further down. You feel the horns in your shoulders and the soloists in your wrists. It sounds extraordinary. It does sound extraordinary. I I cannot imagine what it must be like to experience a concert in that way, but I suppose they get something out of it. It's 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 hard to tell exactly how much pleasure you get, but if people do go along to concerts when they're deaf, then this is a good way for them to experience it. Better than holding a balloon, yeah. isn't it? Oh, well, intriguing, I have to say. Uh, but even if we tried, of course, we wouldn't really know what it was like because we're not deaf to begin with but i know very intriguing and i'm sure all all to the good let's have one of these so from deaf concert goers to blind subway users right and this is uh the uh university of, of new york who recognize that it's difficult for blind or partially sighted people to find their way around the subway and they have developed or developing an app which you use on your phone and you point the phone to a sign and it'll tell you what the sign says and direct you to where you want to go. So it'll understand the sign and interpret it for you. Yeah. Which is uh, which is I think a very good thing. Yeah. It's called Commute Booster, and they reckon it's ninety-seven percent accurate. And I thought well, this is this is rather interesting. I wonder how blind people do find their way around. I remember when I lived um in central london Mm. and walking past westminster public library and outside there was a brass plaque which had westminster public library on it in braille Mm. and i thought first of all what are people doing looking for the library if they can't see and how do they find the sign do they wear their fingers yes absolutely well absolutely you get i mean you get braille in lifts and things like that where at least i suppose you expect there's going to be some help if you're blind well, I went onto the uh, RNIB website, 
Mm. So you have a look at their library. And when you go onto their website, there's a, a big notice that says, Braille customers, please read this first. Right. Well, I suppose it can be for partially sighted as well as fully blind. But if they could read that first, why are they bothering with the Braille? And if they are real Braille customers, what are they doing on the website? Okay, I don't know. No, no, I was I was quite baffled by that. Anyway, I thought that was quite interesting. So did you learn anything? Because it seems, you know, this may be useful for New York subway, but you can't help thinking it would be useful for everything else as well. Yeah, I'm sure it would. And I'm sure the, the technology will be developed and expanded elsewhere. Because it makes sense. Okay, right. What now? Well, let us move on to Paul McCartney, Sir Paul McCartney, Sir Macca, mm-hmm. who famously uh, heard yesterday in a dream and then woke up and wrote it down. But it took him 18 months to finish writing yesterday, apparently. Right. Which is quite a long time. But then, as it has regularly been voted the best song of the 20th century, then I suppose you could lie him 18 months to do that. Now, he still had to go to the trouble of writing it down. But what if machine learning could write it down for you. This is an innovation from Google, Google's music language model. It's called a language model because it it is regarding music as a language, but they have visual language models. And it means taking a vast amount of content, which can be words or music or whatever, and then analyzing it, storing it, cataloging, and then reproducing it. So their system is called Brain to Music, and it links... Uh, with MRI recordings of your brain activity, and then it recreates the music that you're thinking about. Good grief. Good grief. Let's have a listen to this. So here is the music that the test subjects were played. I told them local pickers I done come to capture Music City, USA. Can't you hear the music ringing? Can't you hear the singers singing? Right. And here is what Brain to Music uh, interpreted simply by monitoring the MRI recordings of people listening to this. Okay. This day, since I last week of the rain, I see no saw in your body. Now, it's obviously using made-up sounds that don't form into words. Yes. But it has absolutely captured the feel and style of the of the original. It's ex- extraordinary. And it is. It's still in early stages, so presumably you're going to yes. get better and better. Oh, it's just... I something at the back of my mind recently. I was I heard something about a composer. I can't even remember classical or or more poppy who couldn't actually play instruments. He could he could write music as in thinking what he wanted, but had to get other people to interpret for him. I can't I remember who it was. I remember when we stopped talking. How did he convey what he wanted other people to write? I, he would sing it to somebody uh, who would then write it well, down. Well, why didn't he just learn an instrument? I mean, well, honestly, I, don't know. I wish I could remember who it was now. I'll come back to you about that one. But um, this yeah. does seem quite extraordinary. It really is quite extraordinary, isn't it? So Paul McCartney could have woken up and just, it would have been there, ready. Yeah, yeah. I'm intrigued by that. Yeah. Um, of course, it would let's... have been gobbledygook. It would have been scrambled eggs rather than yesterday. Yes, but he could have. He, <laughs> yes, it might not have taken him 18 months after that. Okay, mm. let's pause for breath. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Gajit Nismas. I'm Simon Rose. He's Steve Kaplan. I'm probably not going to be paying attention. I'm going to try desperately to remember who that composer was. It was somebody quite important. You would have expected to be able to do more than just simply sing what he wanted. Yeah. When you say uh-huh. composer, do you mean a songwriter? Or I can't remember. Yeah. It's 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 bugging me. And now I know I'm going to spend you know this evening on Google and still probably won't find out. Okay. Anyway. Put it out of your mind until then. I will try. I you will try. try. And do that. So and where are you taking us now? I'm going to talk about glue. Glue. Right. Sticky stuff. Hmm. And how about a glue that can be removed when you don't want it to be there? This is a very clever clever thing. This is from the National Institute of Material Science in Japan. And they have made a glue with caffeic acid. Caffeic acid, nothing to do with caffeine. Curiously, despite the fact that it has a very similar name. And when you expose this glue to UV light with a wavelength of 365 nanometers, then it sets rock solid. When you expose it to UV light with a wavelength of 254 nanometers, it comes apart. Just like that, leaving no trace. It is extraordinary. It is glue you can switch on and off. It can even be used underwater, they claim. It is just extraordinary. And I would really like to be able to get my hands on some if I could actually get my hands on some. But of course, it's not available yet. But what a good idea. Glue that you can turn on and off when you want to use it. Unless it gets turned off accidentally, of course, in which case it could be very embarrassing. I think the chances of it being exposed (laughs) to 254 (laughs) nanometers of UV light accidentally are quite slim. Okay. All right. That's fantastic. Move on then. Move on. Well, we're going to go on to uh, a new digital camera, which is the Canon MS500. And it's a digital digital camera that uses a single photon avalanche diode, SPAD for short. So here's what it is. The avalanche side of it means that when a pixel in the diode detects a single photon, so a single piece of light, it releases an electron which shakes other electrons around it loose, hence the avalanche, and then can capture an image. So this can capture an image in virtually no light. It can capture it in a, on a moonless night with just a few stars up in the sky. Wow. So it can capture it at, at one thousandth of a lux, the moon moonlight being about a tenth of a lux, so a hundredth of the brightness of, of the moon. Virtually virtually total darkness. It also has a shutter speed uh, in the tens of trillionths of seconds, which is fast enough to capture light in motion. That so can't be feasible, can it? They have done this experiment. I've seen video where they have a, a, an array of mirrors set up squirt a little bit of smoke in and shine a light and you can see the light moving around in the video because it captures it so fast you can see it bouncing between the mirrors 
And um, it can also film from over 10 miles away if you add uh, a special lens. And the lens is called the CJ45 EX 13.6B IASE VH. Right. Okay. Snappy, eh? <laughs> yes. Um, the camera does cost $25,000. And if you want the CJ45EX13.6BIASE-VH, that'll cost you an additional $100,000. If you're paying $100,000 for a lens, you'd have thought they would at least give it a name that you could remember, like X. But anyway, how do you, how do you go into a shop and ask for one of those? <laughs> well, I think you just say the lens that costs $100,000. They probably know which one you meant. <laughs> yeah, they probably would. So absolutely extraordinary camera that can take pictures in virtu virtually complete darkness. I remember you absolutely showed me when the iPhones could take pictures in pretty dim light, and you were impressed yes. by that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's have one of these. Okay. I think we'll go on to our product of the week, and this is for... Children learning to play the guitar. Mm. And it's quite difficult for, for young kids to learn the guitar, mainly because guitars are quite big and there are just too many strings. Well, how about an electric guitar, which is shorter and lighter and only has three strings? Yes. Will that cause the... problems if they like the guitar and want to change to a six-string one later? Well, I'd have thought so, yes. They claim not because okay. they learn some of the basic chord patterns and then they can add to it as their fingers get more adept. Okay. This is the Fender X Lug. Nothing to do with Elon Musk. It's just an X that happens to have slipped in there. And there's this company called Lug who've been making children's guitars for some time. Mm. And they've teamed up with Fender to make a proper, you know, Fender guitar with the, with these three strings. Um, it doesn't have a built-in amp and speaker, which I think is a serious oversight. So you've been going to kept a cable to it and then plug it into something mm -hmm. else. And I think that for a kid's guitar, that is a real problem. Mm. They could so easily have built that in, or at least a headphone jack. Anyway, $199 from Lug Guitar. Lug Guitars. Lug Guitars. Lug Guitars. Where you've got to <laughs> shut your child to keep them exactly. quiet. Um, and it's available in the US only at the moment, but it will be available in the rest of the world uh, later on this year. And I don't know, as you say, it's a bit odd learning on a three-string guitar because you wonder just how easy it is then to, to work your way up to a, a six-string, unless you then get a four-string and a five-string and <laughs> work your way My up first, way. Yeah, I don't play the guitar. My first ukulele was a Fender. Was it? Yeah. It was. I didn't know Fender made ukuleles. They do. I now, whenever I pick it up, realise just how awful a ukulele it actually is. But yes, it has the neck of a Fender electric guitar. So ah. it's quite unusual among ukulele necks, and yes. all the strings are on the same side. Yes. Pegs, pegs, which is not normal. So on now on to what? I think we need to start talking about online privacy. Okay. So the, the Home Office wants the power to access encrypted content on your phone. They want to have read about this. In yes. other way. Um and lots of people are up in arms about this. We talked back in May about how WhatsApp and Signal both said that they would withdraw from the UK if this became a, became a thing. Um, Apple says that if it becomes uh, law in this country, they will remove FaceTime and iMessage from UK phones because end-to-end -end encryption, they say, is the most important 
privacy feature uh, of all. It means that no one, apart from you and the person mm. that you mm. are conversing with, can read your messages. And Apple are very, very keen on privacy. It's a it's a very big thing. It's what's got them into trouble with with Google and Facebook, of course. So um, if this is pushed ahead, I mean, it's likely that the Home Office will backtrack at the last minute. But if they do insist on this, then goodbye FaceTime, goodbye iMessage, and possibly goodbye WhatsApp as well. And that would cause serious reductions. Yes. People might finally get interested in what the government wants to do about online privacy. Yeah, They won't well, do it until <laughs> these things vanish, I'm sure. No, exactly. But it's not as bad as the French National Assembly, who've recently passed a bill to let police remotely activate not just microphones, but cameras and GPS on people's phones. Now, they say that uh, a judge has to approve this, and it's forbidden to approve it uh, on the phones of journalists and lawyers. <laughs> right. But, and they say that it'll be for serious cases only. In other words, uh, they'll enable geolocation for crimes that would carry a sentence of more than five years. But the ability to turn your camera on remotely without alerting you, it's, you know, it is the surveillance state really getting to, to some extremes. Yep. Yes, I agree. Now, I think we do seriously have to, to, to worry about this kind of thing. And just hope, you know, it doesn't happen here. But if it's happening in France, I don't know if that means that Apple will pull out of France. You know, because they're, they're certainly not going to uh, allow it to happen. We'll have to wait and see. Intriguing. Won't we? Go back to the composer thing. So I mm. did do a little bit of looking. Um, I, I can't remember who it was I heard about recently, but Irving Berlin apparently couldn't write or read music. He he would communicate what he wanted to do to other people. Apparently it wasn't that uncommon in his time. And there would be people who would then interpret it. And Hans Zimmer, can't, learn Hans Zimmer play... can't write or read music either. But at least he really? can play it. Yeah. Well, that's ridiculous. Well, he clearly hasn't no, been. I think to. that is absolutely ridiculous. Well, it's like, well. you know, being a novelist who can't write. Well, you play by ear, so presumably he does. I, I you do can read music, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can read music. But, 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 I don't, so Irving Berlin, I've yeah. said Isaiah Berlin, but that's a different chap entirely. Yes, yes. Irving yes. Berlin. I, yeah, not many play... people hum his songs. <laughs> Irving Berlin cannot play an instrument. Could not play an instrument. Um, Why well, didn't I, he I, just learn? Why didn't he just know. learn the piano? I Honestly, I, I think no he did learn the piano after a while. I'm not and then bought a transposing piano because he couldn't transpose keys. Do you know there uh, was such a thing as a transposing piano? But apparently, not then. Yeah, well, there well, is now, of course. Every every keyboard you can you can pitch change. Well, my piano can't. No, because yours is a <laughs> yours is a piano. A piano, piano, absolutely. Piano, yes. Right. What have you got for us? Um, I think we should start talking about uh, ultrasound scanners in bras, don't you? Okay. Right. Because we haven't mentioned yes. that recently. Okay. So to check for breast cancer. So at the moment, women have to go through to a uh, rather, I'm told, very uncomfortable machine mm. where breasts are squeezed between a couple of plates. I think mm. a horrible thing to do to check for breast cancer is not very nice at all. Right. Well, this is a new device where the, where the ultrasound scanners are built into bras via a 3D printed patch which then um, connects to a, an ultrasound machine, so it has to be done in the hospital, but they are developing a portable viewing device that can thus link up to your, your phone. And they say that they could apply this to other areas of the body. 
And I've been thinking about it, and I can't imagine what other areas of the body you could. Well, my mind, I'm afraid, has gone to gone. Well, maybe not the bra, but um, we're rather worried they do underpants checking for prostate cancer. Yes, that's most disconcerting. It would. You you'd have to sort of wash these things quite regularly. <laughs> <laughs> let's not go there let's just no, not go okay. there anyway jolly jolly clever and it sounds as if it's much much more comfortable than the machines they currently have um have you got time for one very very quick thing i've got go time on? for storing electricity in concrete what how about that exactly what indeed uh what they do is they have a a, a mesh of carbon fiber electrodes and then they pour concrete over it, and the concrete is mixed with a few more carbon fibres. And apparently when they pour concrete, the water in it naturally makes channels as it hardens, because mm. it has to sort of find its way out to evaporate. And the carbon black, as it's called, the carbon fibres, then migrate into the channels. So the whole lump of concrete, the whole building, becomes a supercapacitor. Uh, much The much higher capacity than a lithium battery so you should be able to, if they get this to work, uh, store your electricity, not in batteries, but in the fabric of your home, assuming your home is made of concrete. If it's just bricks and mortar, you're wow. out of luck. Clever, isn't it? Yeah, it's very, very yeah, I clever. thought that was very, very clever indeed. You, the, the phrase, if they get this to work, might well, actually they be They have got important. it to work at yeah, the laboratory yes. scale, yeah, yeah. but they haven't yet built any, yes. any skyscrapers out of it. Intriguing. Steve, thank you very much indeed. That's it, though, for this edition of Gadget and Gizmos from Steve Kaplan and myself. Simon is back with more at the same time next week. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose.